Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. And now we'll go straight to our main message. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 21, there's a very interesting verse in the Amplified Version. It's in verse 33 first. The sky and the earth, that is the universe, the world, will pass away, but my words will not pass away. The sky and the universe will pass away and all the details of life, but the word of God will never pass away. In Psalm 119, verse 89, Thy word is forever settled in heaven, O Lord. Now, verse 34, But take heed to yourselves and be on your guard, lest your hearts be overburdened and depressed, weighed down with the glidliness and headache and nausea of self-indulgence, drunkenness and worldly wearies, and cares pertaining to the business of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap or a noose, for it will come upon all who live upon the face of the entire earth. Now, in our introduction, we mention the growing problem of anxiety. Rolla May says that anxiety is behind so many of emotional disturbances and mental disorders. And when an individual does not deal with his anxiety and does not allow God to teach him through grace and through the word of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit how to deal with anxiety, all kinds of things will and do happen. For example, anxiety means to be distressed. It means uneasiness of the mind caused by apprehension of some expected misfortune that will not turn out the way you'd like to have it turn out. Some people are anxious about their health. Others about finances. Many others are uneasy and anxious and worried about their marriage. Still others are worried about motherhood and children. Others get very anxious about business and their jobs. Concern, of course, anxiety, according to the word of God, as you see this morning, must never prevail in the mind of a believer. Therefore, one psychiatrist says, who addressed thousands of people, it's the main problem in mental disorders. A Christian psychiatrist says it's the problem behind incompatibility in marriage. One of the major problems. It's the reason why students do not finish college and pursue their course for their vocation. It's one of the reasons why people do not develop their emotional potential. Why Christians in local churches do not grow up in solid substance, advancing into the maturity of the greater grace believer. Now, anxiety, frustration, often appears in relationships. Relationships frustrate 
the anxious person because they do not produce what is necessary in the need of the person's heart and mind and emotions. Some people are anxious that they're not going to perform properly. And if they don't perform properly, they'll be rejected. Others get anxious because they have weaknesses that haven't been dealt with by Christ yet in their life and they feel a failure. Satan takes advantage of these problems. He always tries to arrange circumstances according to a person's temperament. Knowing what your temperament is, if you're overly sensitive or high-strung, or have what you call the perfectionist syndrome. A lot of people have the perfectionist syndrome and they're very proud of it. Everybody has to pay that don't do it their perfect way. There's no room for mistakes or progress in the process of adjusting to a better way of doing things. So you have those so-called perfectionists and they're never satisfied. They're never satisfied with how anyone does anything. They want them always to do it better. If God gives them $100,000, instead of rejoicing over the 100000 for the ministry, they want 200000 God gives them 50 souls, they could have had a 100. They're never satisfied. They don't understand that God uses mistakes and weaknesses, never making a provision for weaknesses or mistakes by putting a premium on carelessness. But God does use weaknesses and mistakes to teach us humility, meekness, and discipline, and how to grow in grace. However, these so-called perfectionists aren't perfect themselves but they never deal with their own imperfections. Now, anxiety so often leads to sublimation. Now, sublimation means overeating. You know, a lot of people are overweight, not because of problems with glands, but they're overweight because they're anxious people. And they never deal with anxiety, which is a disease of the mind and the emotions. Overeating is often, often a result of an anxious spirit where details of life become burdens. Pressures of life become overwhelming to the emotions. One counselor said, a counselor on alcoholism, said that 85% of the people he treated as alcoholics became alcoholics because they never dealt with anxiety in its early stages. Therefore, anxiety leads to sublimation. A marital counselor reported this. Of 30 cases I counsel with problems in marriage. Now, he said there were many effects from anxiety. But the real problem prevailing in the incompatible relationship of a husband and wife was one of them was so overburdened with life 
that it contributed in driving the other one into their anxiety. And the marriage resulted with two anxious people that were unhappy that got so overburdened that they didn't take time to care, to love, or to work things out anymore because they were overwhelmed with uneasiness and anxious thoughts toward one another. Now, what is the Lord teaching? He says, listen, marriage is very important. Family is very important. Security for the home is very important. Studying to be effective in life and college is very important. Good friendships are very important. And in no way are we minimizing their importance. They're very important. But they must be arranged in their proper perspective and place. In other words, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. For your heavenly Father knows what your needs are. And this is the principle. People were making their needs more important than their life. Let me illustrate it. God is saying this. Listen. Did you create your own life? No. Did you make yourself? No. Where did you get your life? It was a gift of God. A gift from God. That's right. Well, if God gave you the gift of life, don't you think he'll give you the necessary provisions to sustain your life? That's the principle. And here's a group of people that thought that, well, God isn't going to meet our needs in details of life, in food, in clothing. We're worrying about the latest styles. You can always do it. Some of us do. We just keep clothes 15 years old and have them redone at the tailor. And get them uh, dry clean. They look brand new again. Except with your friends that have seen them for years. <laughs> now, magnifying details of life rather than letting Jesus Christ be your life. Often, women getting married are so overwhelmed with the big day that they don't enjoy it when it comes. They're so worried about looking at each side of the aisle and being proper that they fail to be happy. You know what that's called? Anxiety. I'll never forget. I was invited to a place for lunch, for dinner, down in my early ministry. And uh, my wife and I went to that dinner. It was a beautiful dinner. And I found out when the dinner was over and we went home, the, the host and the hostess, they were beautiful. They were marvelous and hospitable. But I found out that she had a headache two days after worrying about whether or not it was going to be proper and good enough. I wish we hadn't gone, although it was beautiful. Anxiety was the name of her problem. Now, one executive in Hollywood, a producer said this, that more people that try to become actors and actresses do not get it, not because they do not have talent. He said, some of them have more talent 
than the people that are accepted. But he said, we have to reject them because they cannot overcome anxiety when they are tried and when they run the test times, when we test their talent. They do not make it. There are more brilliant minds and brilliant people who never make it in their profession because of anxiety. There are those that can't even go to a Bible-believing church because they get nervous in the service around people. What do you think phobias are caused by? Chicken pox? Whooping cough, that's it. Fear of reality, no. Not fear of reality at all. Make-believe things that don't exist that form in their minds through anxiety. That's the reason why most phobias prevail in people's lives. I don't care what phobia it is. Behind the phobia, there's a deeper cause than fearing height. There's a much deeper reason than fearing people making you have that phobia. Just remember that. Why don't you get at the real problem? What is expressed is only a surface problem. Did you know that? That's been proven psychologically. The psychic force functioning in the emotions, paralyzing the capacity of the mind toward God, toward grace, and toward love, has inhibited thousands and thousands of Christians. Anxiety, stress, preoccupation with things, with the natural temperament, Living, in some cases, hearing God's word without the faith that comes from the word. Serving Jesus Christ without fellowshipping with Jesus Christ. Occupied with distractions rather than the power of God in your heart and in your life. Listen, he said, don't make this whatever it is you're concerned about, the major thing in your life. It's only a detail. Have Christ be your life. Philippians 1.21, Colossians 3.4. Seek the kingdom of God first. Let the word of God dwell in your heart richly in Colossians 3.16. Let it set you apart in John 17.17. 17. Let it guide and direct you, Psalm 119, 133. And let it give you peace and poise and maturity through the filling of the Spirit. Let the rooms of your soul be occupied with all the wiles of Satan's strategy and tactics. And go to God and experience grace. Get to know the grace of God rather than the anxiety of the flesh. Come into a realization of faith rest rather than the restlessness of satanic entrapments, begin to realize that God will give you a peace that passes all understanding. That he'll put a garrison around your soul and guard it. That he'll keep your mind through the word with your volition cooperating in its positive response to his grace. Become filled with a desire as Mary had to hear the word of God and Jesus said that good part will never be taken from her. Now, I want you to notice, as we exegete some of these verses for you quickly, some of the beautiful principles mentioned in Philippians. First of all, remember this. In Matthew 6, 25, 31, and 34, Jesus said, take no thought. But he didn't say that. He said, stop being anxious 
and stop your worrying about food, about clothing. Trust me for the plan objectively. And live in grace thinking. Think in love thoughts, the love of God thoughts and rest. So Philippians 4, in verse 4, he said, Rejoice in the Lord always. You see, there was an element in the church at Philippi that were, they were filled with worrying. Tremendous fear. They said, Epaphroditus was sick. He was a great pastor. They were worried about two women that were causing trouble. Nobody knew how to deal with them with the absence of Epaphroditus, their pastor teacher. And people were taking sides. So he said, relax. Stop wearying. And it's a beautiful principle here because it's a present active imperative. In spite of discouragement, he said, rejoice. Rejoice. A beautiful principle of palin all, And it means future active indicative. Rejoice now all the time and rejoice in the future. Produce the action of rejoicing and have a reality of a heart that knows how to rejoice. Verse 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. This is a beautiful principle. Because the word moderation is an old adjective. Epaikos. It has the article with the neuter singular here as hey in the Greek. And it's epakia. And it means this. Let your gentleness, your mildness, your security of thinking, the resources in your emotions, your frame of reference, with a very qualified force inside the word living, grace abounding. Let it be seen and known because you experience it. In other words, let your sweet reasonableness be expressed to people around you instead of anxiety. You have the word of God. Let it dwell richly. And let your sweet reasonableness be enjoyed by others because you experience God's word and the priorities of his life ahead of others, other things. For the Lord is at hand. Ho kurios egos. It means near, very near. His second coming is near. Plus, he's present. All right. So, do not keep this sweet reasonableness in your heart, but let it find expression in your conduct that others will experience the blessings of your relationship with Christ. Do not use anxiety to become passive and abstract and impersonal from, from being a part of a fruitful ministry of edifying others. Do not allow anxiety to take over. But go to God in prayer and the very thing that makes you anxious. Trust God for it in prayer pertaining supplication to your personal needs. Pray about it. Remember how Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. The overwhelming burdens were great. And Jesus experienced that blood coming through his pores. He was being troubled by all the demons of hell. His humanity was in great need of, of human companionship and friendship, but his disciples went to sleep. Listen. What did he do? He prayed pertaining to the thing that was troubling him. He prayed that time for his personal needs. And he asked God about the cup. So by prayer and supplication. Then notice it. With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving in verse 6. Meta Eucharistias. 
with thanksgiving, with a thankful spirit. That means with an attitude that's relaxed, poised, peaceful, because it's been established in grace and it's trusting in the word of God, living in the frame of reference, living in the soul. Oh, I like it that Jesus says, listen, you won't waste energy or your time and you'll not have to experience frustration, uneasiness, unbelief, and a troubled mind about many things if you just get to know the Master's love, Calvary's grace, and experience it personally through the Word of God. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your donation at www.graceandpublic.com. Let it happen. Let God take away your leaves sometimes so you can bear some fruit. So the sunlight can come in and shine on that fruit and that fruit can grow and have flavor. Let me take things away sometimes. Still live in me. Abide in me. When you bear fruit, you'll bear even more fruit. After the pruning, you're going to bear even more fruit. And then he says, love Remember the love I have for you. My Father has loves you. Love one another. This is my commandment. He talks about his commandments. Do my commandments if you're obedient to my commandments. And then he says, My commandment is that love. Love one another. Live in me and love one another. Be kind to them. See them through my perspective. Give them grace. Give them the word. Give them the house. Let them, invite them in. If they take from you, let them take from you. If they give to you, know that it's all from me. Because you live in me. And when you live in me, you're going to bear fruit. Your life is going to bear fruit. My joy will remain in you, no matter what happens. And your joy will be full. You'll have a full life. Flattery. Flattery is like perfume. Sniff it, but don't swallow it. But edification. Edification is living in the life of God. And you know when you've been edified. And the, the call of God is what gives purpose to our lives as we're abiding in Him. It's this direction. It's this aspect that we grow as we live in Him. And it gives us direction. Edification is knowing Jesus Christ. A capacity has been built in you that in this situation and in the situations in the future and in, in, in who you are and in your relationship to Him and in all the practical aspects of your life and the practical dealings that you have with other people, you know Him. You know Him. And you have blocks of it. You have blocks of categories in your heart, in your mind. They are you. You are baptized in them. They aren't concepts. 
They aren't things that you think about, but you don't live. You live in Him, and He is the Word of God. And He is the one who does it. He is the one who brings forth the fruit. And when He prunes you, you live. You don't be like a branch that just says, No, no more. Get my life from somewhere else. Which is, guess what? There is no life anywhere else. And you wither. And your testimony is thrown before men. And it can happen. It's not, this is a serious thing. It can happen. We say, no, no, God. You are, you are all. You are the vine. I'm going to live in you. And the Father is the husband. And if He lifts me up into the sun so I get more fruit and He cleans me off, and that's the plan for today, then hallelujah, I live in You. And if He prunes off all of my leaves except one, so that in the spring I'll bring forth more fruit, I'll live. And you know what? God gives this promise. So you do that. And my joy will be in You. And Your joy We'd love to hear from you, so please go to our website and contact us. The web address is www.graceinpublic.com. This invitation was recorded June 2010 at the International Convention by Jeff McKeon. I would like to ask you a simple question. You see, the gospel is simple. The good news is simple. And the simple question I would like to ask you is, do you know where you will go when you die? Have you ever thought about it? I mean, you know you're going to die. Everybody dies. It's the only thing that's guaranteed in this life, apart from salvation in Jesus Christ. And so I'd like you to think about this question. And if your answer is no, or hell, or I'm not sure, then I have some really good news for you. Jesus Christ has paid for every one of your sins. Not only the ones you've committed, not only the ones you're committing, maybe right now. I mean, maybe right now you're, in a, you're sitting there in a relationship that is ungodly. Maybe you're in a bar drinking. Maybe you're in your car lonely and depressed because you've, you've done some wicked act. Well, the good news is Jesus takes you as you are, and he does not require you to change. This is a shocking thought to a religious person. Because maybe you are that religious person who thinks they're a good person. Well, I got good news for you too. You're not a good person. The Bible says the moment you were born, you went astray. And so ask yourself this. If you cannot, without a shadow of a doubt, say, yes, I know for sure I'm going to heaven based on what Jesus Christ has done for me, then this is what I would like you to pray with me. In your heart, if you're with someone together, just by faith, just say, dear Jesus... I know I'm a sinner, and I would want to go to heaven when I die. I ask you, Lord, to save me, to give me a new heart, to give me a new way, to give me purpose in this life, which really is purposeless without Christ. And if you're out there and you're someone who's chasing after money, and, and the almighty dollar has become your God, the can of alcohol is your God, your lust patterns are your God, fear is your God, jealousy is your God, rage is your God, well, Jesus Christ is greater than anything that idolatrous that this world can offer. He can take it. He can forgive you. And if you sin 70 times 7 after hearing this invitation, and God forbid, but 
we're sinners. And we know that this could happen. He still will never leave you nor forsake you. I mean, talk about good news. When we're faithless, He remains faithful. If we make our bed in hell, He is there with you. Come unto Christ as you are. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, just stop and ask Jesus Christ to save you. And that salvation prayer is based on Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. Call upon His name. Be saved. Don't go to bed tonight without knowing for sure that your eternal destiny is in the heavens with your King, with your God, and with His body. Amen.